Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back for another episode. You're in for a real treat today because I have with me Arnie Malum. Arnie has a really interesting journey, but most importantly for the compliance professional, he speaks, talks, thinks, and helps people work through corporate culture and how you can fix that culture. So Arnie, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to jump on and try to lend a word to where businesses are going. It's always a fun journey, as you mentioned. So you've got, I think, a fairly interesting professional background. I was wondering if you could detail that a little bit for our listeners. Well, it's a great American tale. You know, went to a traditional average university and found my way to Nashville, where jobs sort of took over my world for a few years. And then a great yet terrible thing happened. I got fired and left with not as many opportunities, I started a small company, which at the time was just a way to help clients that were friends of mine and a way to make a living, but turned into a 24-year journey, as you mentioned, that has turned out some fun stuff. So the company you founded, I think, was called CJ Advertising. Could you tell us a little bit about what CJ did? And I was really intrigued with your work in the legal market. Yeah, very unique niche. When I was a television sales rep at Channel 5, In the early, early 90s, legal advertising was really just getting their feet under them. And the accounts weren't necessarily sought after by the great salespeople at the station. And so they would sort of feed them to me, the new guy. I found quickly that these guys had a lot of room to grow and didn't have a ton of experience in marketing or or organizing their business. And so I welcomed them in and, in fact, helped them so much. One of the reasons I got fired from the station was I was doing a little too much with them in their overall marketing. And so it led me to start my own agency, exclusively serving injury lawyers, building their brands in their markets, making them both likable by the public and known by the public. So when they were needed, they could be called. So then what led to the next entrepreneurial effort, Legal Intake Professionals? Well, the great news about our ad agency is that we were successful. We were able to create an abundance of leads for our clients. We were able to create some success for them in their markets. And as we expanded their advertising, more and more of the television ads were needed to be placed outside of daytime television when they weren't there to answer their phones. And I said, let's place some ads in the early morning. Let's place some ads in the late night. And the resistance was that we don't have people in our office then. And I said, hey, it's not a problem. Let your answering service take those calls. And their response universally was, that would be a very bad idea, that their answering services did not meet the standards that they needed to serve their clients. And they were fearful of sending calls there. And jokingly, one of my clients said, you should start a call center for us. And as crazy as that sounded at the time, every day it made a little more sense because it helped them grow. It helped us grow. And we ended up building a really cool business of a call center, again, exclusively served this one niche, personal injury lawyers. We grew legal intake professionals at at the time of my exit, which was only about 18 months ago, to about 300 legal firms across the U.S. and Canada. So that really leads me to what uh, I really wanted to focus on, which is your book, Worth Doing Wrong, actually the entire genre and oeuvre of your work around corporate culture. So maybe I could start with uh, what led you to write this book? 
Well, we, as I describe my business, I am confident that you have listeners that are cringing a little bit as I say personal injury lawyers. I keep saying it and I can feel the cringing going on across the airways because it is not a popular segment of business. And believe me when I say I realize that I was growing my business at a very rapid pace. We were doing great work, but we were having trouble recruiting talent to our organization because And this was the response that really got me when I was talking to a very talented individual about coming on and helping us with build our ad agency. And the response was, dude, I don't want you on my resume. And that really got my attention because I realized I had to overcome this perception of working in an ad agency, which is cool, but working for personal injury lawyers, which wasn't so cool then. Hell, isn't really all that cool today. But we had to overcome that and we did it through creating a culture that was worth talking about, that was worth getting people in the door for, and of course was worth doing wrong. And that culture was one that I had to learn over time. It wasn't a wake up one day and there it is. It was, let's see how many ways we can do this wrong on our way to getting it right. Because we were counting on it, our clients were counting on it, and our current team was counting on it because they knew that growth was in our future. So I'm a recovering trial lawyer, but I always practiced on the defense side. So rather than saying some of my best friends were uh, plaintiff's entry lawyers, I will just say they're the guys that sent me work. So they kept me employed for 20 years. Uh, So they have a sweet spot in my heart. And don't let my comments disparage the profession. I write in my book about some of the things we did to help bring our team members on board, which was we made, not made is the wrong word, we asked them to watch Aaron Brockovich. We asked them to watch Civil Action. We asked them to watch Rainmaker because I wanted them to see situations where cheering for the lawyer was the right thing to do and to have that mindset in our business. And that's what it kicks off this whole concept of culture in your workplace, the mindset of your people. Are they cheering for your client's success? And that's a key for you to create that environment for them, an environment where they can cheer for the client's success and not begrudge it. And that's the way we did it is... We won our people over by everything from those movies I mentioned to watching the documentary Hot Coffee to understanding other documentaries about how hard it is to pass the bar exam, all kinds of stuff to bring our people around to the mindset of our clients. I would say you almost, but only almost, made me want to practice law again. Let me pick up on that word mindset because I have not heard that used in connection with culture or corporate culture, one of the struggles that compliance practitioners continually face, I think is actually comes down to that word you use, mindset. How do you help a company think through assessing what their mindset might be and then moving the needle forward? Well, my good friend, Jack Daly, who is an expert on sales and culture, has said these words, and I tend to agree with him. He says, you can smell a culture when you walk in the door. He doesn't mean that you can smell what was in the oven or you can smell someone's dirty socks. He means that you can smell a culture when you walk in the door based on the smiles on the faces, the body language of the people, the briskness of their step, and really the decor and feel of the office. And I believe that's true. And so that starts to set the tone. But what sets the tone for that, I'm convinced, is leadership. I am convinced and have practiced the fact that culture reflects leadership and it's not the other way around. And so then you say, okay, Arnie, we'll define leadership. And of course, it's easy to define leadership as the head of the company, but I would also argue that anyone that garners respect has a leadership and has a duty to that leadership to then create a culture that creates the mindset 
for success in the organization. And so to try to shorten my answer is you can smell a culture when you walk in the door. Culture is based on the mindset of the people and mindset reflects the culture of the leadership in that organization. Artie, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and one of the key challenges they tell me they face is scaling up. That when they start their organization, it may be themselves, it may be a core team of people who are friends or at least a core team of colleagues that tend to share the same values, tend to work as hard together as a team, but they worry about keeping that ethos and that culture as they are successful and scaling up. How do you advise someone who's in that situation to really think through maintaining that type of culture? I believe and have practiced that, again, culture reflects leadership. The entrepreneur, whether he or she likes it or not, is the leader of their business and the leader of their culture. I see the most harm done when they try to delegate or worse, abdicate responsibility for their culture to someone else in their organization. Certainly, tasks and champions need to be set forward to create success, but ultimately, their top of their culture chain I ended up running three different businesses at once. You mentioned CJ and Legal Intake, but there were three other businesses along the way. And one of the mistakes we made is that we created core values for each business rather than all businesses sharing my personal core values. I'll write about this in the book and I talk about how we made the mistake and where it led us down the wrong trail. But at the end of the day, it was that my core values became the core values of the company. And that's when our growth really took off. I know that when I started doing strategic planning and trying to scale up my companies, we had 12 people attend a leadership three-day strategic session. And 10 years later, there was only four of those people still on my leadership team because people grow and life happens. But I was still on that leadership team and my values still mattered. And they mattered all the way through my tenure at the company because ultimately the leader's core values, I believe need to be the company's core values. Arnie, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted to garner any more information about yourself, your businesses, or the book, how would they do so? Well, the Worth Doing Wrong website, worthdoingwrong.com, is a great place to find other books I recommend, information on Better Book Club, which is a fantastic way to grow your team and encourage reading within the organization. A little different than you might think, but a great opportunity. And the book is also available on audible.com. And so if you're short on time actually reading, You may have a commute and like you're listening to this podcast, have a listen to my book. Arnie, this has just been a fascinating interview and I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. I appreciate your time and thanks for having me, Tom. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.